God's grace, his mercy, and his peace be yours today as we continue in the idea of being home for Christmas. And uh, why not, huh? Why not home for Christmas? This seems to be that time of year that we uh, focus on and think about home. We think about our past. We think about and remember uh, many times with warmth. Sometimes for some of us, maybe not so much warmth, but uh, the whole idea of being home for Christmas. And today for you, that home may be an ancestral home. It may be home in terms of who you're with and who you're around or uh, that group of people that bring you and center you in terms of understanding God's love and living that out uh, in a joyful way. It is the time of year by which we hear a lot about or, or receive not only cards, although I'm getting less and less cards every year. Just There's just a handful any longer. And the Soneses, I think, dropped cards a long time ago. Our ongoing year-long Christmas card is Ursula on Facebook. So if you want to know what's going on with us, you just follow Ursula. She can tell you everything about our life, and it's all true. And people just shake their head and say, why did she marry him? He's such a mess. I know. I got blessed. You know, that's just fine. But that's our year-long Christmas card. If we get anything else out, oh, well. But, um, you know, there is a time of year where we do uh, tend to see, you know, invitations. And, of course, invitations have even morphed. It used to be that you get an invitation in the mail, right? And please come to our Christmas party, um, wedding, uh, wedding shower. Well, now it's turned into you get the card before the card before the card magnet that says save the date. And that comes way ahead of time, so you're just totally confused as to when it really is because you've been holding it for so long and you can't remember where you put it. And the magnet always falls off my refrigerator and I find it at some cleaning later. And so that does me no good, but thank you for sending that anyway. That's fine. And then you get the invitation that finally comes and it, you know, has it. And I don't have much patience. So those of you who know I can't read past emails this long, if there's more than three envelopes inside, I just start like throwing them out until I can find out basically, you know, what, when, and hopefully I can find it right there. And then Ursula's later going, where is it? And I'm like, well, there were parts and pieces, and I'm not sure where the whole invitation went. Uh, I think it said, and again, we find it like five months after the event. I said, oh, there it was. Yeah, I forgot. I stuck it there. <sighs> so people have gone to other things. They've gone to this. Now you send it by email, and you ask the question, are you coming? Yes, no, maybe. And now you also get the, the events this week. Do you remember what you answered? Yes, no, maybe. And have you changed your mind? Now, why do we go through all of that? Well, we go through all of that because we've all experienced this where we've had a gathering, we've had a party, and we prepare food, and we get everything ready, and then what happens is we think we're getting this many, and we get this many. Unless you have crazy family, and you think you have this many, and they drag 20 of their best friends with them, and you end up with this many, and you're calling you know, Popeyes to send over more chicken sandwiches. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, so what is it, you know, in terms of invitation, and God is a God of invitation. This being home, our home for Christmas, God is inviting. God is bringing about a way of coming to you and to me and bringing invitation to be home. 
And you may not think that's important, but we live in a world where we do find that not only each other, but we ignore God's invitation. It's kind of like, well, I'll worry about that someday when I'm older. Uh, I'm not sure it's that important to me. Uh, or we kind of take the view of there's kind of this generally broad, you know, there's lots of things you can do to reach out to God, and so there's many roads and ways, and so we, we set aside his invitation and kind of say, well, there's so many out there, I can't figure it out anyway, when God is only just saying from his heart, please, please come join me. Or as Christians, we turn it from an invitation into a battle axe of, you can't come. Unless you live like us, smell like us, look like us, we take God's invitation and we turn it into a don't come. So you might ask why I'm talking about this, but I think one of the most unique and wonderful invitations of God is Isaiah 11, 1 to 10, that was read earlier. It's on page 575. If you don't have your Bible app or iPad or whatever open to the Bible there, you can open it up in the Pew Bibles on 575. God has a very unique way of talking to us and inviting us home for Christmas. He understands our circumstances. He understands our, our questions. He understands that, uh, that there's a sense of, can I make it? Can I go? What's going on? He wants to clarify why you'd want to be home for Christmas because some of our homes haven't been a place of welcome. He wants to welcome us and also settle in us that his invitation is for you. Come home. Now, I say it looks a little different because it doesn't sound like an invitation, but bear with me for a moment as I read this again. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from the roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And he, as is speaking about Jesus, speaking about the Lord, he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. So here's why I'm calling this an invitation. Is this, as it rolls out, there shall come forth a shoot. There's been anticipation building. There's been anticipation building for oh so long among God's people because they have not heard a God who worked in history, a God who worked in time, a God who brought about through generation after generation a showing of his faithfulness has been now silent for some 400 years. Now the people he's been faithful to have been faithless. The people that he has called have gone their own way. The people that he has said, you are my own, have said, we don't want it. But there are those who've been waiting and watching, and a lot of that buildup was in the whole idea of the lineage, and when we use words like a, a shoot coming out of the stump of Jesse, was the idea of there's something happening when we see it going on related to this family, these people that God has called to be his own. And so when he begins this, it immediately, if you're hungry, 
to go and eat well at home. If you're anxious to see if God really exists, if you're anxious to see in a world of chaos, in a world of pain, in a world of fighting, when people can't get along on politics, they can't figure out their finances, when they don't know what their purpose is, God says, hey, I'm right here. And the invitation begins by saying, look here. Now here's the thing with invitations. You can be like me and they get cast aside or we can begin to dig deeply into seeing what is going on. Why is it that we are being invited? And so Jesus really is the center of this invitation. And he uses these words that are picked up on in the New Testament as well. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. That is the relationship with his father, the, the relationship of God even within himself. And he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by, disputes by what his ears hear. So here's the thing. Who do you trust? And when he uses a phrase like, well, he doesn't, you know, count on what his eyes see or what his ears hear, you know, he's calling us into seeing what our lives are like. What do you and I trust? What do our eyes see? We always say seeing is believing, but I don't know if what I'm seeing is worth believing. You know that there's at least three storylines going on probably with this thing called an impeachment. And depending on who you talk to and what they watch or what they listen to, people have completely different ideas. Have you noticed this? There's people you love deeply that you're not talking to about this because you don't want to get in the fight about this, right? And you think they seem to be smart people. How can they not think like me? The facts are the facts. Maybe. Whose facts? The economy's doing great. Economy's horrible. Doomsday is coming. Spend like there's no tomorrow. Oil jobs are just... Watch out, they're going to be laying off like crazy. What do you believe? What do you see? Here's a topic that makes everybody a little edgy, but no one really wants to talk about it. Social Security is going to go under. Social Security will always be with us. Vote for me. Taxes will go high with the other. Vote for me. I will keep taxes low. Just kidding. What do you count on? And our eyes and our ears go into what we see in the world and how we make decisions. And yet it says in this invitation of Jesus that there's something always much deeper going on. So I think we want to put God into the middle of our politics. We want to put God in the middle of our finances. We want to put God into the middle of all of our decisions. And God is working at a whole different place. His invitation is to see something much deeper. I know you and I've got to deal with the rest. But to go to something much deeper 
And I, I just love these words because when we're going through these roller coasters of all these levels of things that I brought up and things that I haven't brought up, God comes and says, here's my invitation. I'm putting on him, on Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and understanding that helps us to dig deeper and below, beyond what we see on the surface. Oh, here's another thing that's going on, right? We are legislating and also in the culture pushing the church to the side. The Christian church is being pushed away. Now, is that a problem or an opportunity? See, from our visible standpoint of where we're at, when you work in the church world, you could get really worried about all kinds of things that are going on. But if you're dealing with the invitation, the Jesus, who is the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, is it not possible that God, in what I provide, provide in my mind as future upcoming crisis, is not providing absolute opportunity for the church to be more than it's ever been since the early church. It's an invitation. He is also inviting us to see that he is a God of justice. It says here, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. You know, we don't see much justice right now. And again, I don't know enough about this to speak up, so I'll just stick my foot in my mouth. But I keep finding or at least reading that judges are releasing people with a dollar bond after they've raked through someone's house. I don't know. There must be more to that. But that doesn't seem just. On the surface, I'm going, are you kidding me? People in the news who now have killed others and they were released three days earlier, are you serious? People who are cheating and working their way to the top while those who are working hard are being cut free from their companies. Is that just? Is that fair? Is there anyone to stand on behalf of the poor and the weak? And God speaks word of invitation. He says, don't go by only what you see. Realize that God himself is fighting for this because with him, he will with righteousness judge, not judge negatively, but stand on behalf of the poor. He will decide with equity for the meek. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. They, things of the world that worry us, concern us, it's, we should be people of justice, but to realize that ultimately it's in the hands of God. He invites us to come home and then see the world not as our only place, our only spot, but that from home we see what he's doing. I do believe that we are in the most exciting times as Christians as we live out our faith, as we invite people to see a God who cares for them. There's not a better time to be a Christian let God judge the world. Let God judge the peoples. Let God challenge us and invite. He shows that home is like this. It's secure. He builds this, this uh, record of how uh, marvelous and wonderful this is, that things that we can't even imagine to see, 
He says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion, the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den, and they shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. Somehow you and I, as we're called to be home for Christmas, are learning to live the balance of we are living in this world and we are going to be those who bring justice. We are bring those who are going to stand up on behalf of the poor and, the, and, the, and those who are oppressed. We are going to be those who experience oppression. We are those that are going to wonder what is going to happen in our lives, and yet we have the great security of a home. Our ultimate home with God, that there will be ultimate security. There will be ultimate peace. There will be ultimate joy. And that this world gives us an opportunity to, to live out the invitation. Now, here's the blessing. Isn't this a blessing? If you take what the world could be doing to us, what the world could be doing to one another, that somehow home leaks back here. I gripe about the bad days, but how many joyful days do I have? Most of them. When we're grieving the loss of a loved one through death, what do we mostly think about later? The fact that we enjoyed life and God's presence with them. When we ask, why could it happen to that person? We go, just think how long God gave them to spend with us. When we are thinking about what am I going to do with my life, how am I going to put up with this, and to realize that people are looking and seeing how I live out my faith and being blessed in the middle of problems. That God is doing even in a world of chaos and crisis, God and his gracious presence leak from home back here, and it's why his invitation is so engaging, because we realize when we see God in that way, when we just begin to imagine the taste of what God is doing, it doesn't long, make us long for this world more or for this world to get better. It makes us do be those who live in the grace of God and look forward to the, uh, the essence of being home with him. An odd invitation, you might say, and perhaps to pull this together in this way might be a little odd for you today, this as well, but I understood Jesus is the invitation and Jesus is the way when this last verse comes up when it says, in that day the root of Jesse who will stand as a signal for the peoples of him, Jesus, shall the nations inquire and his resting place, our home, shall be glorious. I believe that you and I have experienced this already, that there's, there's any time of year where people are open to seeing 
in hearing about the home of God, it's now. Are you and I being intentional? Here's the challenge part. Are we being intentional about making our life invitational? Are we open to loving people that we normally wouldn't spend time with or consider lovable? Will we see Christmas as only going back to our home or while we're here bringing others along, expressing the grace of God through our lives to others? Is that something we would think about here in this Advent Christmas time? How do we hold to our own ethics and morals and yet not become a boundary or a wall to someone who doesn't share our ethics but has the same need of a Savior? How do we invite across walls? How do we break our assumptions of what God is wanting in people versus God wanting them simply home. How do we truly look at ourselves and recognize our own imperfection so that we are mixing with other people who are imperfect like us that they can see that the same home is there for them? There's a lot of easy things about going home for Christmas. We. Uh, you know, you hear over and over about us and go into our ancestral home in Central Texas. And so it doesn't take much. My, uh, my cousin, who we got to spend last summer with, and her family, and they came down in June, and they're living up in Missouri, and, and uh, they, they made this comment like, oh, maybe we'll come back for Christmas. And we're like, yeah, you're not going to travel back to Texas for Christmas again. And then all of a sudden we get a note, we're coming home for Christmas. So, of course, we're going to try and be there over a couple of those days to be home for Christmas. That's easy, isn't it? Family. Well, maybe this is the easy part. Family we get along with. People of shared faith. People who love being home. God here is putting out a bigger invitation that our home is not just where we feel best, feel warm, and cared for, but that he, as he cares for us through the cross of Jesus, as he has cared for us through the invitation of sending his own son, through the invitation that brought us into life with him, that our life embodies a world that may not know they need him. And just loving them as Jesus loves them. So I know where I'm going to go a little few days around Christmas to be home, but where else will home pop up in my life and yours? Where will it pop up that we can be hanging out with those and praying for them and loving them and caring for them, whether they ever want to show up in church or not, whether they ever respond or not? to be God's invitation, come home. Father, we give thanks to you for your loving kindness. 
This Old Testament reading kind of stands by itself in Isaiah in an odd way, but in its own way, calls us to see Jesus as the invitation, to see Jesus as the ultimate plan, to see Jesus as our true security, and to see Jesus as the only way. Living in a world where people are looking for many ways or any way is okay, we realize, Lord, that's probably true, except for this. You're the one inviting to the party. We want people to come on your invitation. And we want to come on your invitation. Lord, call us each day during this time of Christmas to see as more than just a few warm days and food with family, but as an opportunity to come home. And as we come to bring others with us, we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our friend. Amen. Let's